Well, good evening. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And oh my gosh, you guys, you owe me so much. I I have put together the best show for you tonight. And I mean, you should honestly be paying me for this. <laughs> Not just my sponsors. You you should be in a contract with me right now, paying me to do this kind of stuff, because this is going to be a great show. So what do we have coming up tonight? Well, we've got Bill London with some great news, stuff going on around Oregon, stuff happening around the area, all that kind of stuff. Um, he'll be here a little bit later to do that. Um, we also have a young man who grew up in Eugene. He's a Sheldon High School football player, um, but he's never really noticed on the football field. Um, like a lot of us in high school, we never really get noticed. And then all of a sudden you get into college or out in the real world and things start to happen. And that's what happened for this young man. Um, he's like Helena's uh, big superstar. <laughs> so you're going to get to meet him. And we have, I know, I didn't know it was possible. I didn't think in the world that we lived in. He's black. He's a preacher. Now that's okay right you've heard that before he's a street preacher though he's not like a you know the kind i like he's a street preacher not like a, he didn't go through all the schooling and stuff like that uh by the way neither did jesus just so you know um and then the third thing he is he's a conservative i know i know you're not supposed to be black and conservative but he didn't read the manual and i kind of have a feeling that quincy is one of those people <laughs> who doesn't follow the rules. So who are our sponsors tonight? Chris Daniel Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. It uh, doesn't matter about your vaccination status. doesn't matter your political beliefs. You could be left, right, in the middle, out the door. doesn't matter. He doesn't care. He just wants to make sure you get good dental care. Um, also, another sponsor, Buck Sanitary Service. And I got to tell you, this is where the shit starts, right? Okay. But these guys, I was just looking on their website and I pulled it up here so I can see it, but they have wedding, like really super cool wedding porta potties. I mean, if you're at a wedding, you don't want to just go in a green bucks sanitary thing. They have these wedding ones. They also have mobile restroom showers and shower trailers. So if you're having a wedding this summer and you're planning all that stuff, check out bucks because they can put your shit where it belongs. And they have water facilities to wash your hands. So it's nice places you're going in in a nice dressed outfit. So there are other sponsor and also Transworld um, Business Advisors, Lonnie Woodruff, uh, great guy. If you're a person who owns a business and you don't think it's worth anything and you want to just get rid of it and you want to say, don't do anything until you talk to him. He sits down with people and helps you find ways to sell your business. He also helps you find ways to uh, buy a business. So if you're working for corporate America and they were all COVID compliant and you were like, oh, I can't do this anymore. He's the guy you want to visit. Um, hold on. I got who's who's this? Does Chris Dental make you wear masks? Hubby needs care and won't wear a mask. Um, you can call them and ask them and find out what that's all about. Now, obviously, when you're getting your treat treatment done, uh, you don't wear a mask because um, it's really hard to work on teeth and uh, in a mask. Um, but you'll have to check with them and find out. I think you do have to wear a mask into the facility, but you can check with them and find out more about that. But thanks for the question, Sharon. We appreciate it. So let's do our open and then we're going to get to our first guest. Who puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun? that you get to comment on the news. Yeah, there's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see you at five.
So our first guest tonight, he's black, he's a preacher, and he's a conservative. Oh my God, Quincy, <laughs> were, were you dropped on your head at birth? I, you can't be these things. This is terrible. Well, is, here, here, in North, me. here in the Northwest, it's very hard to be those things, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so tell people how this kind of started for you. Um, this started for me as I, I, I was a street preacher. I still do street preach. Um, so it kind of started for me before Trump got elected, like a few years before Trump got elected. I grew up in the church and everything, um, fell away from the church, came back to the church. And I was like, okay, it's time to start really preaching God's word. So I started going out on the streets, uh, going to the most controversial places where uh, a lot of debauchery is at. And, uh, I started doing more of the hellfire and brimstone sort of style of preaching, uh, at, at events. Um, one thing led to another. Trump became president, uh, went downtown uh, the night that Trump won, and uh, we, me and a couple guys were attacked. Went back down the next night on November 5th of 2000, what was that, 16? 10,000 people marched in the streets, taking over the freeways, breaking uh, car windows and at car lots, and we're in the middle of them. And, uh, and since then, just been kind of on a roll. Uh, started live streaming in 2000, what was it, 20, uh, at the George Floyd, uh, when George Floyd was killed and all the riots started happening in downtown Portland, started going down there and live streaming. And so here we are today. And now you got like, I looked at your page, I think you have like 20,000 people that are following you real regularly and on your page and seeing what you're doing. What yeah. do you, do you take a, do you take a lot of heat from your community, the black community for being conservative? Well, with the black community, I'm actually considered a sellout and an Uncle Tom. I'm not considered real black because being black nowadays is all about an image instead of just the nationality. So you get it from both sides then? I do, yes. And do you, is that mainly because you, you support Trump? Um, like I said, I think I, I think some of it obviously has to do with Trump, especially more from the, more of the, the white side. But with the black side, it's more like you seriously have sold out. How could you vote for Trump? How could you be this way? How could you represent the American flag? Look what's happened to us, especially with the narratives that they've been pushing in the school system, you know, and on on media. Because if the facts were known, where didn't wasn't the unemployment level for black people? Um, down under Trump? I mean, isn't that a factual, how, how do they, how do it, they? It, it is a factual thing. As a matter of fact, it's interesting because when you actually go to talk to some black people and really have like a one-on-one -on -one with them, they will admit that Trump wasn't that bad. But it's, once they get around everybody, then it's a completely different story. I've had so many black people come up to me and say, yeah, things were better with Trump. And we actually did like Trump. But because of pressure, because of culture because of media you know which does influence people and people buy into the lies so talk to me about your hat you've never yeah, been oppressed. I, yeah yeah i've never been oppressed i mean i know that's the lie out there that's the lie that the, the that the especially liberals they want to push onto black people into society that uh black people are, are oppressed that they can't get jobs that they're they're shot by police officers that they're basically beaten down by the white man. So it's just a bunch of lies. And for me as a black person, I haven't experienced that. Just saying. So why do we hear so much of that then? You know, I, I, I guess that's the question. And, and 
to me, it comes down to a narrative that they're pushing. I think the obviously the media is a huge influence in our society, the fake media. And I say fake because they're constantly, you know, they're, they're spreading lies, they're saying lies, and they're only doing clickbait. They're doing 30-second pieces on things, and they're, they're just pushing an agenda, propaganda. So what do your black friends think? Uh, most of them don't talk to me. Really? Oh, yeah. I, 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 to, frankly, to be honest, I really don't hang around a lot of black folks. I mean, the black people I do hang around with are not from the state. They're from out of state. They're more from free states. They're more, you know, Trump supporters. Uh, they believe in America. Uh, they back the police. Um, they're free thinkers. They don't believe the lies of the Democratic Party in the platform. So most of the black people I hang around with are from out of state. So is there racism in Oregon, though? I mean, we hear it all the time. I mean, maybe the media is blowing it up, but would you say that there, there is racism? In I mean, Oregon? I'm not going to lie. I'm sure there is racism. I mean, you're never going to get, I mean, that's a fact. You're never going to get racism. But with that said, racism isn't like a white against the black thing. Racism can, can and probably does exist on every nationality. I mean, for instance, let's, let's take this because people focus on the white and black, right? Well, what about... Asian people, for the most part, Asian people stay with their folks. You know, they, they stay with their people. So is that considered racism because they don't really don't want to integrate and have relationships and, and mingle with black people or even um, Hispanic people? So would Asian people be considered racist, racist? See, the problem is we only focus on this black and white thing. That's so part of the problem. So let me ask you this. I, some of my friends who are in the black community tell me that um, even in the black community, the lighter you are, um, the different you're treated. Is that, that true? That is true. That is very, that's very true. And again, that's, that, that's a, a problem within the black community because a, the, a, the biggest problem within the black community is that there's a lack of forgiveness. People have not let go. They're still living in the past. They're still living for you know, 80 years ago or 100 years ago or 150 years ago. So you have these youngsters growing up who are in middle school that their parents are still affected by something that happened to their grandparents. And so these parents are telling these, you know, 10-year-olds, America's racist. America's racist. Even though that child at 10 years old probably has never experienced racism compared to what maybe their great-grandfather did or great-grandmother but they're 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 telling their child it's racist here, and then when you have the whole light light skinned people such as myself, because they're going back to those times of, of real slavery of real racism when people were actually killed by the because of the color of their skin, they tell people because one of the things that happened was light skinned people usually were mixed, and so they were considered house negroes because they got I guess those special privileges of being in, in the home versus being in the field. So what is your hope for what, what you're doing in Oregon? What are you trying to do with your ministry and O slash you have a ministry, but you also have this, this um, dream that you have is to, right. and I think it's to open up conversation. And do you, don't you think it's kind of, well, go ahead and answer that question. Now you got me thinking like crazy. <laughs> I mean, really it, it, my, my hope is to continue to be, to report uh, tr true media through live streaming, because honestly, I believe that live streaming is the future of media. I believe it's the future of news because it's real, it's unedited, it's, it's raw, 
it, and you get people's true emotions without having to edit it. Um, so I, I want to continue to grow that. And there's a bunch of live streamers that I know that we're, we're, we're working together and hope to build something off of that because it needs to be out there because mainstream media and, the, and, and these companies that own these businesses, like I said, they give 30 second bits. If that, they'll go in, for like this, they'll go interview somebody and they'll spend 15 minutes interviewing the person and they take five or 10 seconds of what that person said. Right. Well, and see, and, and the thing is, because I worked in it, so I know, right? Um, they can't make enemies. So people come to me and they say, I don't like you anymore. You've changed. And I go, no, it's just now I'm reporting real news and real information, the stuff that KZI would not let me report. Right. Um, it would never let you say this because you'll lose people. And see, their whole thing is about ratings and they think ours is. But what we're trying to do is get real information out to people yeah. so they can make up their own mind. Don't you find it? My other question you I thought of when you were talking to you, don't you think it's interesting that Oregon being a progressive state is very actually very regressive in freedom of speech, in letting people be who they are and allowing people to be independent and free? Um, I, I find that very interesting when we pride ourselves on being the first at so many things, but in Oregon, um, Progressive is really a funny word. Right. I saw somebody bitching about Bessie Johnson going, there's a whole Facebook page with 83 people called Progressives Against Bessie Johnson because she's not a true progressive. And it's like, I think she's more progressive because she's trying to get out of the freaking Democratic Party and staying out of the Republican Party and right. just going at it completely different, like an Oregonian would as an independent. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about, you know, you're, you're reading my hat about being oppressed. So here's the thing. You, and, you, and you mentioned a good point, because here in Oregon, especially in, in these progressive liberal cities, they do oppress you in regards to, like you're saying, the freedom of speech. You right. can't say this. You can't do that. You better wear that mask or, or else you're, you know, you got to get out of here. Right. You know, you don't belong here. They tell people all the time, if you don't believe like them, leave. Yeah, I just talked to a, a judge, a former Lane County judge who's going to be on my show on Monday. Uh -huh. um, we're going to talk about freedom of speech and what it really means and what it is. And um, I'm, I'm really excited to do that. So, let's see, so you're going to be on another show tonight, right? Yeah, yeah. So tell people about that so people can watch you if they want to catch in some more. So I'm on a show with Will Johnson, uh, Jay McKinney, and Doc Drake. It's called In The Now. You can catch it on ctva.tv, which is on Roku. It's on all the Apple stuff. So if you have a TV, you can pull it up on your TV. It will be on Will Johnson's Rumble page as well. So we do that nightly, every night except the weekends and Wednesday. So do you feel like this is a calling from God? Um, yeah, I do just based off things that I've gone through the experiences. Um, and I, I can completely see where God is moving and opening doors in, in, in situations, uh, meeting people. So I do completely think it's something that God is behind, honestly. And what, give me, give me an idea of why, why, why do you think? Like I said, because I think that truth, truth needs to be out there. America's at, America's looking for something. America's actually looking for truth. They're looking for hope. They're looking for someone to come along. And honest, to be honest with you, they're looking for a savior. They're looking for, they're looking, they're having hope and they're wanting America to be fixed for the most part. And the, the bottom line to it is that no president, I don't care if it's Trump, I don't care if it's Obama, what, what side of the, 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 the field you're on, 
the only hope is really in Jesus Christ. And that's the truth that needs to be out there. And people have been waking up to this stuff because of everything that's being pushed by by the liberal, by the Democrats. You, you have you have um, you know homosexual marriage going on. You have the CRT happening. You have indoctrination in the school system where nowadays the, the rainbow flag is more important than the American flag. So you have all this type of debauchery and stuff taking place in our society, just making it and continuing to make it more wicked than it already have been. You know, Quincy, what I noticed during the COVID thing was um, how fear was used so much to manipulate people and to get them to conform. And and then I keep reading that scripture that says, fear not for fear brings on more evil. Yep. And we really saw that. Um, yes. and, and now you still have in Oregon, where I'm living in Montana now, and people got rid of the masks. Nobody, I mean, there's a few people, but very few. But I'm hearing from my friends, people cannot get rid of that mask because they're so, I mean, that is... You've, you've damaged a whole entire culture of people thinking that we have to keep doing this because otherwise, and, and that's just based off fear. That's just crazy. Yeah, fear, fear is a very powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool, tool and it does cripple people. It places people, it almost makes people, uh, it places them in a, in, a, in, a, in a mode that they're complacent and stagnant. They don't do nothing right? because of the fear has took over them. It did, didn't you feel like Oregon just froze? And that's what drove me crazy, is especially in Portland, Eugene, some of those bigger cities. Yeah. But like, um, you know, you're, you're looking around and I, I'd, I'd walk out of my office and go to my car and I thought, I'm living in a twilight zone. Yeah, it did feel like that. I, rem I remember the first few weeks of when COVID really happened back then. What was that, 2000, was it 19 or 20? I, I, anyway, right around there. And I went downtown Portland and just ghost town. Like nobody, no cars, nobody walking around. I remember being on I-84 in the three o'clock in the afternoon. It was like 10 cars on I-84 in Portland, Oregon. Something that you don't ever see that. So yeah, it did, it did place a lot of fear in people. Um, Anthony Holding, question for you, Rick, are you vaccinated? Um, and I mean this in the, in the kindest way that I can put it, none of your business. Um, yeah. I'll talk about I don't talk about my medical things. I'll talk about my prostate cancer because that can help people. Mm -hmm. um, my medical, this, this is too toxic. I am, it's, it's just nobody's business, but mine, but, right, but right. you can ask the question, but I also have the right and freedom to not answer if I don't want to. And um, I haven't only my closest friends and my family know, and nobody else needs to know about you, that. You know, that's crazy that someone just asked you that because like, when did we ever ask, did you get the flu shot? Did you get the, right. did you get the tetanus shot? We've never asked people if they got shots like that. Right. We, we never cared. But now all of a sudden, again, and I think it has to do with that fear. People are asking. They're all in, they want to know. And sometimes, and I'm not saying Anthony's trying to do that. He may be cooked, I'm, right. to be honest. But what I'm saying, a lot of times it's a trap. Because, right. oh, and then, well, see, and for you. Oh, well, maybe he's not. All black. So he's really not a black man. They're always we always look for excuses to discount people rather than to open our ears and listen and say, maybe there's some truth in that. Instead, it's a lot easier to go. Oh, Rick never did buy. It. See, he. Yeah, that explains why he believes what he believes. No, I believe right. what I believe because I do my own fucking research and I understand what it says. And now I look at all the reports coming out that are saying exactly what we were talking about. Yeah. So where are the people sticking up against those reports? Where are those people? I don't see them anywhere.
Um, dude, I am so happy to have you on my show tonight. Virtue Signaling is a product of 2020. I want to see if there's any other comments outside of mass, drive alone in cars. A friend of mine saw some lady in Eugene's today sitting in a car by herself and she still had a mask on. All oh, this yeah. They are shot doctor. Oh, yeah, you guys are just, oh, I'm glad. Okay, Anthony, now, like I said, I'm not judging, um, but just I, I don't mention, I don't answer those questions. Quincy, good luck to you, you know, and, and stay in touch because, yeah, anything I can do to help you, I'd love to be of assistance to you, okay? I appreciate that, Rick. Thank yeah, you very much for having me on, man. Isn't it nice that we don't have to agree with everything the other people talk about, but we can just have a civil conversation? Love it. Love it. That feels a lot like America. It does. <laughs> America, baby. America. It's coming back. <laughs> See you later, Quincy. Well, now, was that fun or what? <laughs> well, um, one of our sponsors is Dr. Michael Bratlin, and he has a new commercial out on the radio, and you got to hear this. Here it is. This is Dr. Michael Bratlin with Chris Dental. Oregonians allowed the lockdowns to remain in effect for two long years. Two years. We allowed government officials to dictate what we put on our face and what we put on our bodies with little opposition and not enough questions. Why do I bring this up now? Because trust me, they will bring back masks next winter after the elections. Next time, don't be complacent. Actually, follow the science and let your voices be heard. Next time, stand up to these power-hungry politicians. There's a lot of brave people out there. And you know what I'm thinking? Um, Quincy is one of them. And a lot of you are the same kind of people. You're doing that stuff. It's like uh, you don't have to. You don't have to. Uh, if they try this again, I hope you in Oregon stand up to this. I hope that you look at this and, and say, um, uh -uh, not going to do that again. Um, I really do hope that. And Heather, I know that not everyone agrees. And I'm glad and that you're brave enough to come on and disagree with me and other people on here. Um, so that's a good thing too. I look up to you, Rick. Anthony, again, I hope I wasn't trying to, if you wanted to write me in a personal note, I might talk to you and tell you a little bit more about that. Um, okay, now we got more. Bill's London is still coming up a little bit later in the newscast, but I've had an interview today with a young man from Sheldon High School. Um, and it's just a good story. It's just his, uh, a friend of his family called me and said, have you heard about this guy? And I said, no, I haven't. And I said, well, let's get him. And um, so what I'm going to do is uh, give you this quick little interview with uh, a young man. Uh, you're going to really enjoy this. So our next interview today is Matt Burgess. Did I say it right, Matt? Shake your head. Okay, I did. So Matt is joining me. I I'll tell you what, people found out I was in Montana. And I started getting a couple of emails and it wasn't from the, the young man's father. <laughs> it was from other people saying, have you heard about Matthew? Do you guys, do you know who this guy is? And so I contacted his dad and of course, dad bragged you up, Matthew. And this is Matthew Burgess. And he was a Sheldon high school football player. And I got some pictures. So this was, this was what year, Matt? Um, this was 2018. So it'd be my senior year. So his senior year, those are nice pictures. But when you were like a senior in high school and like all through Sheldon playing football, you 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 never really got recognized that much, did you? Uh, no, it, it took me a while to work my way up through to actually start getting getting noticed a little bit. Did you was football kind of your thing? Was that really what you wanted to do? Not for oh, yeah, just, yeah. My uh, when I was when I was a kid, my parents always told me that I don't even remember this. I was too young, but. <laughs> They uh, they said I came up to him and told him I wanted to hit people, so they signed me up for football. And <laughs> it's just been playing it ever since, and I've loved it every minute. 
what is it about the game? What is it about for you? Like just personally? I don't know. I just love everything about it. I just love being out there and just being with just a group of guys that are, because I don't have any brothers. Um, so it's just like a whole group of brothers that you're out there working towards um, some end goal with, and everyone's on the same page and it's, it's just fun. Well, now, so Sheldon, because, I mean, not that you have to be recognized, but because you were never kind of just got over the hump, was it kind of frustrating a little bit? Yeah, there were, there were definitely times of frustration of trying to get over that hump of starting to get noticed and stuff like that. Because if you're noticed, then you get to play and you weren't playing as much as you wanted to. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't playing as much as I wanted to, but um, just kept my, kept my head down and kept working and worked my way up. And once I got my chance, took it. So then Matthew goes to Helena, Montana, and um, that's how I connected with you through people that knew that you were there. And you're at Carroll College, which I didn't even know there was a college in Helena, Montana. But you started playing, and it, it wasn't right off the bat that you got noticed there either, right? Uh, I still, yeah, still had to work up, show what I could do. Um, they give me chances in practice, and then just trying to take the most of every opportunity that I'd get working into the season. <laughs> So what happened? What changed? Because according to your parents and, you know, and, and your dad's really, 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 really proud of you. <laughs> I, I said to your dad, Matt, I said, hey, maybe I should have you on to talk about it with him. And he goes, Matt won't let me come on. because be on there with you. And I go, he's a man. We don't need you. We don't need that. So so um, what what happened? Because because something pretty major happened where all of a sudden it just it went. What was that? Um, so actually my first day of practice, we were doing a conditioning test up here and, um, I think it was like my second day here. So I wasn't used to the elevation yet. So I had a full on, like getting, couldn't breathe. Like it, it was really bad. And then after that, I was like, all right, I gotta, I really gotta step it up now. Like really show what I'm able to do. And then once I started getting chances, started getting opportunities to show what I could do, just making the most out of every opportunity. And, and one of the coaches, you can talk about that too. One of the coaches noticed and said, Hey, wait, what, this guy's got talent. I mean, this guy can do this. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So, uh, coach Vansdell, our offensive coordinator, he's believed in me ever since he recruited me. Um, and he's been awesome just trying to give me chances and stuff. And then, um, yeah, he's always just had my back and it's been awesome to have him in my corner. So, and this again, I'm, I'm quoting your dad, but now, and, and Matt's going, please don't rip. I'd tell my kids would, um, but, but in Helena, you, you kind of helped you and the team, but you kind of helped turn this thing around. You guys all, this, the, the Carol, your, your football team was not a big deal in the last few years. It's, it's been pretty major. Yeah. So um, there, there were a few years uh, before I showed up where they were um, kind of, rough seasons because Carol um, in the earlier 2000s um, has six national uh, championships. So it was a pretty powerhouse school. And then there start there's a few years of grad records and just a lot of other stuff going on. Um, so then getting a, being able to come in um, with Coach Purcell, be one of Coach Purcell's first classes. Um, yeah, getting to be able to come in and work under Coach Purcell and everything. It's been awesome being a part of this team that's helped bring Carol back into um or trying to bring carol back into its former former glory and and that's the town according to what i'm hearing is the town really looks at you guys you and the team as they're real proud of you guys i mean this is like a big deal for helena it's like our, our this is our team man they're doing something 
Yeah, the community around here is awesome. Um, plenty of support in the community. Like when I'm going out for food or dinner or something, there were people uh, wearing care football gear and they're like asking us how the season's going, how the team's looking, stuff like that. And so that's just been really awesome to still get that kind of, I guess, small for me coming from <laughs> coming from Oregon, that small town feel of in college football. How many did you how many people in in, um, in Helena do you know? I can't remember. I want to say it's around thirty thousand. Yeah, and so coming from Eugene Springfield, where you got you know three hundred thousand, yeah. um, it's it's a little different. But what do you love about being in Montana for you, a twenty one year old kid? Um, I, I love the outdoors and there's plenty of stuff to do out here. We're right next to the Missouri. So plenty of fishing and stuff to do. Um, we'll go hunting when we get breaks at all during football season. There is plenty of hiking to do around here. So it's just, I just love the outdoors and that's what I like most about up here. And Helena is known for mountain biking. I mean, huge mountain biking community. Do you think now that you're here and I'm here, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, do you think that people in Oregon don't really understand what Montana has to offer or what it is. I mean, people look at it like, oh, you're way away and you're you're out here and there's cowboys and this and that, but they don't really understand um, this. there is city life here as well, too. Yeah, so even coming from Oregon, when I was first coming up, I was like, all right, this is going to be like almost like the Wild West out here. There's going to be <laughs> stuff, go cowboys everywhere. But no, it's actually been pretty, pretty good, pretty, I guess, different than what I thought. And people don't really realize what it's really like up here until you're, actually here so what are you going to do when you grow up um so i'm majoring in civil engineering uh right now and i'm not sure what path i'm going to take after uh college so for a kid your age what where do you get your hope what is your hope um hope in like life yeah yeah um well so eventually one day i want to work to get my professional engineering license um, that's something i definitely want to work towards maybe open up my own firm one day we'll see but um that's kind of where i Kind of where I want to head. So how has all this, um, the reaction to COVID and the last few years, I know it's been real rough on a lot of kids for you. How has this been and your friends? What do you think? Um, there have definitely been some rough times um, just because there, we've had little outbreaks here on campus where uh, spring my freshman year, campus actually shut down. So I packed all my stuff up and drove all the way back home to Oregon. And then as soon as school ended, I came right back up, lived in one of our assistant coaches' basements for the summer so I could be up here with the team, play football and stuff. Um, and then had COVID uh, once, so having to quarantine, that's not fun. But overall, up here, it's been pretty good, pretty mellow. Um, like, there will be signs, places with, say, mass required, and um, it was kind of suggested you could. They weren't going to say anything if you didn't. So it's it's been really nice how mellow everything's been up here as compared to Oregon. Yeah. A little more stringent there, huh? Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you for um, taking some time. And I think it's fun to see, you know, a local boy uh, or man actually doing well and uh, finding themselves in a different place, you know, and uh, where do you think you're going to live in the, like, like if you right now, I know you're only 21, but let's say you get your civil engineering business and you can do what you want to do. Where would you live? I was going to go, I guess, wherever the wind takes me. I love I love um, going to see new places, new environments. So I just like exploring. So just wherever wherever I end up, you're not afraid. Nope. What do you think the difference is with people that just stay in one place and people like you? Um, people that stay in one place, I guess I would definitely say um, just get out, explore as much as you can. Because I know I want to see 
as much as the world has to offer um, before before I'm too old to do that. So I just I just like to get out there. Well, I, I think that's a great attitude to have. Matt, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your time. And um, now I'm going to be paying attention to what's going on at Carroll next year because <laughs> I know somebody. I'll check you out, okay? Awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome, man. It's good talking to you. See you later. See ya. What a great kid, huh? I love what he was talking about, that he just, whoever the wind takes him. <clears throat> I wish I would have had that attitude when I was 21. I think I got caught up in being doing what my parents did and what other people said I should do. And, um, and what I thought was funny was he said, before I'm too old to, and I thought in my head, I thought, you know, a lot of people, I think sometimes even some of my own family thinks that I'm too old. Kathy and I are too old, uh, to be running around, um, starting a new life in a completely new place. Um, but I don't think you're ever too old, uh, to live, you know? And, um, and it's not for everybody. Those of you who want to stay in one place, I think that's great too. You got to go where you're called. But I think there's a lot of people my age who are, are afraid to step out. And I was too. And you're never too old to do that. And um, yeah, it's good. Well, let's check in with Bill and find out. Bill, what the heck is going on in the, in the state of Oregon news-wise? Good evening from the News Radio, 1120 AM and 93.7 FM, KPNW Studios. I'm Bill London, also known as an honorary illegal alien. Thank you, Joe Biden. Here's a look at some of the stories we're following. Well, some business groups have filed a petition with the Oregon Court of Appeals demanding a judicial review of the Department of Environmental Quality's climate rules, and they allege the agency has zero authority to regulate greenhouse gases under a plan put in place by Governor Kate Brown two years ago. Now, that was when she used her executive powers to enact the rules after Republicans walked out of the Capitol to block a cap, trade, and spend bill that supposedly was going to curb emissions. Brown's order seeks to reduce emissions by 45% from 1990 levels by 2035 and by 80% by 2050. And it supposedly is to cap emissions from vehicles and businesses. The petitioners include the Oregon Business and Industry Group, Space Age Fuel, the Northwest Pulp and Paper Association, and the Oregon Association of Northwest Nurseries. Now, a similar petition was filed at the same time by the three main gas natural gas companies in the state, Northwest Natural, Avista, and Cascade Natural Gas. And all the groups claim the same thing, and that is that Oregon law is clear that the DEQ does not have any authority to implement the policies they did in December and that the Oregon legislature hasn't given the DEQ authority to write the rules the way that they are. And they point to a passage in Oregon statute that covers the regulation of greenhouse gases. And it says, and I'm quoting, this section does not create any additional regulatory authority for an agency of the executive department. Now, those new climate rules went into effect on January 1st, and they oppose caps on emissions from natural gas, oil, and gasoline. Those caps lower over time and puts more pressure on fuel suppliers to cut emissions. And, of course, they have to buy these carbon credits, and they will become more expensive. And they will pass it on to the consumer in terms of higher gas at the pump 
and more expensive utilities. Well, a controversial, some would say utterly wacky proposal dealing with animal cruelty appears to be off the table for right now, but the proponents of the initiative say their campaign isn't over yet. That according to David Mickelson, the author of the initiative and lead organizer for Initiative Petition Campaign 13. He says they pulled it off the table for this November and they have submitted the initiative for 2024 and they're just waiting for confirmation from the state. Now, what is Initiative Petition 13? I believe we've talked about it here on Get Real. This is the Abuse, Neglect, and Assault Exemption Modification and Improvement Act. And essentially, it would make you a felon if you go out and you hunt or you fish or you're a farmer and you send your cows to a slaughterhouse or your chickens or whatever, because that would be considered felony animal abuse. And if you're one of those people that has animals and they use some form of artificial insemination, that would be a crime of sex abuse against an animal. According to Mickelson, he acknowledged the proposal's long road and said that like other social justice reforms throughout history, it will take time. And many of us would say, hopefully forever. I would. A well-funded, largely anonymous advocacy group that has repeatedly pummeled Portland area leaders over homelessness, increased crime, and just trash faces accusations of illegal politicking and running afoul of Oregon election laws. At least that's the charge by a union. They claim that people for Portland targeted a, quote, clearly identified candidate for office in a recent online ad against local elected leaders, including Metro President Lynn Peterson. That, according to the union that endorsed her. Now, that union is United Food and Commercial Workers 555. Their claim is that in, under Oregon campaign finance laws, if an entity spends at least $250 to campaign for or against a candidate in Oregon, they have to register with the state and disclose such spending as well as the source of the money. Now, if, for instance, the courts side with the union, people for Portland would have to disclose who's contributed to well over their $1 million plus advertising and lobbying budget. Now, a few of the donors have already gone public. They include CEO Tim Boyle of Columbia Sportswear and real estate Portland moguls Jordan Schnitzer and Greg Goodman. They've already admitted, yeah, they're giving money. Two of the group's political veteran strategists, Kevin Looper and Dan LeBay, have kept that full list, though, a closely guarded secret. I'm going to end on a totally different note, and this has to do with an article, and I've read this twice. And so here's your rhetorical question. What is the best way to spend your time? And it seems like it varies in our increasingly frenetic world, although one person, the author of a book, believes there is a way to really figure out how we can meaningfully use our time. And the answer is you face the fact that you're going to die and that your time is sacred. The author is Bronnie Ware, 
She is a former palliative care nurse and an author, and she shares the five most common regrets of the dying. And it has her advice on how to live a full life full of happiness and joy. The book is called The Five Most Common Regrets of Dying and what actually the five most common regrets of the dying and what we can learn from them. And what she comes up with from those who essentially have been given an expiration date is pretty fascinating and if nothing else, at least worth thinking about. Ware writes that by looking at the most common regrets of people who are dying that was shared to her over the years as a palliative carer, she says you might find yourself at a turning point. So there's five regrets. The first one is, I wish I'd lived a life true to myself, not the life that others expected of me. And she writes that as a child, it's natural to mirror your primary caregivers. It's how you learned. And there was no real choice but to adapt to their beliefs and lifestyles. And then when your individual self comes calling, you might realize that your beliefs, your core beliefs, or your desires in life are not necessarily those of other people. But many people still go on living their life that others expect them to live, and it's not necessarily parents. And she says that dying people realized they hadn't found enough courage to live true to their own heart's voice, and it left them in depths of grief for a life that they didn't live for themselves. Another regret, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Now that's pretty self-explanatory, and actually I've said this a number of times, and that is that I doubt on my deathbed my last words are going to be, Man, I wish I'd have spent more time at work. Like I said, self-explanatory. A third regret of the dying, I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. And Ware explains the kids are actually pretty good at it. Adults, not so much. And that left a lot of dying people feeling as though, in many ways, they just simply lived a lie. Another regret of the dying, I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And that's not Facebook or text. It's actually connecting, like face-to-face, eye-to-eye. Dying people regretted not staying in touch with old friends because during their last weeks, they wanted to reminisce, laugh about the old days, feel understood, and remember that they once belonged to a group and in the world. And the final regret was, I wish I had allowed myself to be happier. And Ware writes something interesting, and that is that happiness is a choice, and it doesn't come from being lucky. And she says it's not a denial of hard times. She says without the contrast, you can never really know how strong you are, or what you can rise to, or what your potential truly is. And she says the hard times have their purpose to help you discover all that. But she also says how long you choose to stay focused on the hard times and their associated stories are your own choice. She says you can choose happiness in many ways. Choose to find the blessings rather than allowing others to dictate your self-worth. In conclusion, she says the realization that dying people had around this and seeing how they'd allowed other people to determine their worthiness for happiness brought incredible insights to them and heart-wrenching regret. I thought this was kind of interesting, and I thought, all right, I'll share. 
Now it is time to get real with Rick. Rick, roll out the drummer reel. Well, I think Bill summed everything up, don't you? Wow, that was good. I like that newscast tonight. Yeah, how often do we not allow ourselves to be happy? Um, I think a lot. I'll tell you, if I could go back and do what I'm doing right now, uh, like 10 years ago, I'd do it. But I'm also a guy who believes in timing, and I think God has a hand in that. But um, my wife and I were driving <clears throat> away from the home uh, that we're buying to create an Airbnb and a dream. Um, we were driving away, and we both got tears in our eyes, and I said, this is our thing, hon. This is what we're doing. I'm so happy. And she goes, me too. Yeah. Something I won't regret when I get on my deathbed. Go find your thing. Yeah. I, I share this on your page, if you will. And, um, yeah. Life's good if we let it be.